You all hear me? Cool. Well, I want to welcome you guys to Campus Sunday. Are you guys excited? I am so, so excited to be here with you guys. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm from the Cal State LA Ministry. Go Eagles! And I am so, so excited to be here with you guys. So uh, we decided to do a little bit of a theme called Just Keep Fishing, right? So the last month or so, our campus ministry had the theme of legacy, right? And so that's what the whole campus in L.A. wanted to focus on over the summer and in the fall of how to leave a legacy for God. And so we're going to kind of take that theme and talk about Just Keep Fishing. So my lesson today is entitled The First Call. Right, so if you guys can turn with me to Luke chapter 5, that would be great. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He, sat at the wa- he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to pull out a little from the shore. He then sat down and began to talk to people. When he had finished speaking, he had said to Simon, pull out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all day and night and haven't caught anything, but since you said so, I will let down the nets for a catch. When they had done so, they had caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners on the other boats to come and help them, and they filled the boat so full that they began to sink. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For they were astonished for the amount of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Right, so here you see Jesus, he's preaching to the people, and then he's talking to Simon, who's a fisherman, and say, hey, go let your nets down for a catch, right, because I want to show you something. And so he's like, you know what, we're fishermen, we've been fishing all night, we haven't caught anything, I'm discouraged, but because you said so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to obey. It's great to obey Jesus, amen? Uh, right, and so it works out for them. They caught such a big catch of fish that they had to have their friends help them come and get the fish because they were beginning to sink. Right, but I kind of wanted to focus on Peter's reaction here. What was his reaction when he saw this great miracle? Was it, oh my gosh, this is so great. God is working in our life. This is really cool. No, it was, go away from me because I am too sinful. Right, and if you look in the Bible, this is actually really consistent with a lot of people. When they have a weird encounter with God, their first reaction is to be, God, you're so holy, you're so great. Be away from me because I am too sinful. Right? And I think one of the biggest challenges that we can have for having an impact on our life is thinking that we're too sinful for God to use us. And I know that can be my first reaction. You know, I grew up in church my whole life. Um, I'm what you would call a kingdom kid. Um, you know, I've been a Christian for about six years now. And one of the biggest uh, standpoints for me or, or cutoff points for me to be a Christian was the idea of perfection. And I struggled with feeling like I had to be perfect because my parents were leaders in the church. My best friends were leaders in the church. Their parents were leaders in the church. For, so for lack of better words, I felt like I had the eyes of the church on me. And when I got into high school, uh, everyone's eyes were on me to be a leader. And I felt 
such an immense amount of pressure because I had to not only lead the teens and, and be an example for them, but then I couldn't mess up and tarnish my family name or tarnish the name of Jesus. And so that kept me from being a disciple for a long time because I felt like, oh my gosh, like if I had to be perfect, who can do that? That's impossible. And so my immediate reaction was to rebel, and I rebelled hard. I was like, you know what? If they expect me to be perfect, I will play the church kid on Sundays, but I'm going to do whatever I want Monday through Friday. And I thought that that was going to give me a sense of freedom, but it didn't. In fact, it left me broken and depressed and sad and lonely. And I felt so distant from God. And it wasn't until about my 16 year, about 15 and a half, 16, my sophomore year of high school, one of my teen ministers sat down with me and said, are you willing to study the Bible again? You know, I had gone through just this really big medical surgery. Um, I was in a hospital for about three months, and I had six months to recover. And he said, look, you have time. Let's come and study the Bible. But I didn't want to, and I was afraid. And I remember driving in his car and saying, I can't study the Bible because then I have to be perfect and God can't use me because I'm too sinful and I'm not good enough for God so why would he want me anyway? And I'll never forget um, what he said to me was, you're right. You are too sinful. And that's the whole point. (laughs) The whole point is that you're too sinful and you need a savior and you need someone to help you. That is the entire point. And so it took me a while to get that, and, you know, I studied the Bible for about six months, and I became a disciple about the age of 15 and a half, and then was the call to lead, and I was called to lead the teen ministry, my worst fear. (laughs) Then, after I graduated the teen ministry, I was called to help lead the campus, and if I'm being honest with you guys, those two years of campus were terrible. I did not do well. All these people left. I felt responsible for all these people. So when I moved here, my first reaction was, I am never being in leadership again. (laughs) But God is funny because he has other plans. (laughs) And it's funny, I remember praying and I was like, okay, God, I know I had this bad experience, but wherever you lead me, I'm going to go. And so Tariq Burton uh, actually pulled me aside one day and said, you know what, we want you to lead. We want you to be a leader. And I was like, all right, let me pray about it. And then I told him kind of my whole, whole experience, and he said, you know what, Sean? If you can focus on being fishers of men, if you can focus on just bringing people to God, then everything will be all right. And I had to trust in that, and I allowed Tariq for about a couple months to just train me and be like, all right, just focus on God, focus on God, focus on bringing people to God. And thank God I did talk about leaving a legacy was the same month that I decided to, to be in leadership by Mike Romero on campus. And we decided to study the Bible with Mike Romero. And now Mike Romero is an awesome disciple and leading with me in Cal State LA. And so, you know, it's just, it's crazy what God can do. So I want to encourage you guys, no matter where you are in your discipleship, if you're not a disciple, if you're not, you know, you don't have a Christian, you don't know what that means. If you are, but you feel afraid, wherever you're at, I want you guys to know that you are never too sinful for God to work through you. All right, love you guys.
Amen, Sean. Thank you for that great, amazing lesson. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mike Romero, and I go to Cal CLA. I am super grateful and super excited to be up here in front of you guys to preach to you today. As Sean mentioned, he talked about being fisher for men. I'm actually here to talk to you guys today about a miracle involving fish. So we're going to meet in Luke chapter 9. And while you guys are getting there, I'm going to give you guys some context. So this is Jesus and his 12 disciples. They want to get some alone time, so they go to this remote place. However, a crowd hears about this, and they actually meet them there at the remote place. So Jesus has grace on them, and heals their sick, and gives them lessons. So we're going to pick up after that, starting in verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Lest we go and buy food for all this crowd. About five thousand men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about fifty each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Man, this is a crazy miracle. It's actually so crazy that's included in all four of the Gospels. So here we have the disciples telling Jesus, we should probably send these people away because they're probably hungry and there's nowhere here for them to eat. But Jesus said, no, why don't you guys give them something to eat? And he saw the five loaves of bread and two fish, and I'm like, that's not enough for all of them. That's probably enough for all 12 of us and you, but clearly not enough for 5,000 men. But Jesus uh, told him, no, that's enough. You may see it as little. I see it as enough. Give that to me, and I will multiply it. And he did. And not only that, they had extra left over. And it's really crazy in this miracle. It just emphasizes that God can do great things with what little you have. I know for me, this was very evident in my life. Uh, when I started coming to this church about two years ago, uh, they asked me, you know, what is something you're good at that you can give to God? And I immediately started thinking of things I was not good at. I was like, well, I can't sing. Uh, I'm not a very leader type person. I'm actually very soft-spoken, I'm very introverted, very insecure about myself. You know, things I still struggle with today. And I really was looking at it, and the only thing I could offer to God was just a willing heart. And when I thought about it, I said, there's no way God can do great things with this. This is so small, it's so insignificant. There's no way he could do anything with that. But as time went on, God showed me that he can. It all started when there was a need for people to come in early and help set up a church. And I got asked, hey, Mike, do you mind coming in early on Sundays to go help set up? And I said, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind waking up early on a Sunday to go help set up a church. I'll do it. And I did. And two years later, I'm still doing it to this day. (laughs) It's a thing I actually quite enjoy and I love doing. I remember in the college ministry, there was a need for people for rides because not a lot of people drove and they needed to get to these events. And I drove, I had a car, and not only that, we had a Suburban as well, another car, so I can fit a lot of people. And I said, you know what, I can take people, I don't mind driving, so I'll take them. And I started taking people. And funny enough, my nickname for the campus ministry is the Uber of campus, <laughs> because I take everyone everywhere. And it's actually funny, I enjoy driving people and taking them, so it's a great thing. And like Sean said about being fisher for men, 
there was a need for the uh, ministry as well for studies for guys who want to learn more about God. And they asked me, hey, Mike, do you mind coming in and sitting down just taking notes for these guys and give some commentary? He says, yeah, I can do that. I can sit down and take notes. I do that for class anyways. <laughs> and so I went and I started taking notes. And to be honest, I'm really glad I went and took the notes because uh, some of the brothers don't have the best handwriting. <laughs> um, my boy, Sean, man, I love you. You're a great dude, but your handwriting is something else. <laughs> and then when our minister Jacob came, his handwriting was worse than Sean's. And so for me, it's like, man, I'm really glad that I'm taking the notes because that way they can read it. That way when they look at the notes, they're not like, what is this? <laughs> what am I supposed to read? And I actually took great joy and great pride in taking these notes. And after being some, uh, for a while, they asked me to start leading some Bible studies. And then I got asked to lead a Bible talk. And for me, that was so different. That was out of my comfort zone. I was like, I don't know if I could do that. But then after seeing about it and really looking at it, like, in all honesty, the only thing I have to do is just read my questions off a piece of paper. Then that's not really that hard. I, I could do that. And so I started leading the Bible talks. I started reading my questions off a piece of paper. And granted, it wasn't horrible. But it was pretty obvious I needed some work. I needed to get better at my Bible talks. And I wanted to do that. And I remember talking to Jake and asking him, hey, Jake, do you mind if uh, you give me some pointers to help me out for my Bible talks? And he said, yeah. And so one day we went to the park. I wasn't too sure why. And on the way there, he was, we were talking about football because both me and him played football in high school. And he said, hey, Mike, was there a time you were loud in football? He was asking me this because one of the things I needed to work on my Bible talks was my volume. You know, it was very hard for me to get loud. People could barely hear me in my Bible talk. And so I needed to work on that. And he asked me, was there a point where something great or amazing happened in football and you just yelled out the top of your lungs? And I said, yeah, I've done that before for football. I said, awesome. And so we got to the park. He got out the car. He went to these benches across from me and talked to me. All right, man, you're going to do Bible talk right here at the park. I want you to introduce yourself, but be as loud as you can. I want you to have that football mentality. Can you do that for me? Yeah, I can do it. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Mike. Louder. Hi, everyone. My name is Mike. Louder. Yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> My name is Mike Romero. Welcome to Cal State LA Bible Talk. Yeah. And in case you're wondering, yes, I did practice this at the park. And as crazy as it sounded, it actually worked. I actually became louder. Uh, people were actually able to hear me, and for some added practice, Jake had me do the announcements at our Wednesday church services. And, you know, obviously I still need some work done, but, you know, looking back at my life and seeing really what God has done is so insane. It's so crazy. Even today, just being up here in, all, in front of all you guys today, just preaching the word, it's like, man, all this just because I gave God my willing heart, something I saw so small and so insignificant. He made it work. And I just want to close you guys off with this one encouraging passage. It's in Colossians 3. It's in verse 23. It goes, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so as I end off, I just want to encourage you guys that we all have something we're good at. And we may see it as small and insignificant. We may see it as there's no way God can do great things. But I just want to encourage you guys today that if you give that to God and you give it to him with all your heart, he will multiply it beyond your imaginations. Amen? Amen. That's my lesson. I hope you guys enjoyed
Good morning, church. It's awesome to be worshiping with you guys this morning with the Lifeway Church. My name's Austin Broom. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm actually currently enrolled in uh, BSPU. For those of you who don't know what that is, uh, it's Bestseller Publishing University. You can talk to Rob Cosberg if you have questions about enrollment. But no, that's actually the full-time job that I work. I help out with the campus, and it's a joy of mine to be able to reach out to campus students and try to bring them closer to God. Uh, now, the lesson that we're going to be talking about this morning, uh, we're going to be reading the story out of the Bible. I thought that would be a good idea. Uh, we'll be reading out of John 21. So if you can start turning there, we'll be reading there shortly in John 21. And to give a little uh, background on the scripture, the main focus of the scripture in John 21 we're going to be looking at is a guy named Peter, right? And when Jesus was looking for a leader to help start his church in the first century that would be known as the way he decided, I'm going to choose Peter, you know? I mean, this guy's pretty awesome. He drove out demons in my name. He walked on water. I'm going to give him the keys to the kingdom, and I'm going to have it so that he's going to start my church here on earth, right? So what a cranking guy. I mean, who else would you pick, right? You know? And then a little context on the scripture in John 21. At this point where we're about to read, Jesus had already resurrected from the dead, right? It's pretty incredible. I don't know the last time you did that. I haven't been able to figure it out yet. But Jesus resurrected from the dead, and he visited his disciples two times, right? So you figure by this time, Peter's probably going out throughout Jerusalem saying, Jesus rose from the dead, and, you know, we, let's change. Let's do something, right? Well, let's take a look. Let's read in John chapter 21 and verse 2. And in verse 2, it says, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So he called out to them. He said, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. I mean, this is not the same cranking guy we are just talking about, right? I mean, Peter was a fisherman. They were out all night. They couldn't catch a single fish. He couldn't even put the net on the right side of the boat, you know? So Jesus comes along, and he's like, hey, put your net on the right side of the boat, and they catch all these fish. And they're like, if you keep reading, John's like, that's got to be Jesus. And then Peter immediately, that's Jesus. He jumps out of the boat, swims over to the shore, and he wants to get near him. And the guys, they bring the boat, they bring the catch, they catch 153 fish. It's pretty awesome. You know, from going from zero to 153, it's pretty cranking. So they get over to the shore, and then Peter's getting over there. And then Jesus has prepared a meal for them. He's got some fish already there, and he's roasting them, and he's got some bread. And Jesus is just like, you know what these guys need? You know what Peter needs? These guys need a life-changing conversation. I don't know if you ever need one of those. So let's, let's read about it in verse 15. In verse 15, it says, when they had finished eating, you see, when you have a life-changing conversation, it's probably good to have some food right there, wait a man's heart, right? And Jesus was smart. He waited until after they ate it, right? So after they ate, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, have you ever been called by your full name? Probably not the best way to start a conversation. I mean, if my mom's calling me by my full name, I'm probably in trouble, right? So he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Well, that seems a little harsh. Seems a little tough. Jesus, you know, the fish weren't the only ones getting grilled right there. Peter's getting grilled right there in front of the guy. I'm sure he's not feeling too good, getting called by his first name, getting caught. You know, Jesus questioning him on his love for him. And you go, well, why is that? Well, when Jesus caught him, and he's, he's resurrected from the dead at this point, and he had called his disciples, he taught them for three years and said, this is what you guys got to do. You know, I want you to go out. And you guys are fishermen, right? Well, some of them were. And he said, I want you to fish for people. I want you to go out and meet some people and bring them to God and change their lives. Was that what they were doing when he found them? When Peter led the group, what were they doing? They were fishing. Oh, that's fine. But Jesus said, it's not your purpose. You see, your purpose, I think it's as simple as this. Jesus said, do you love me? Love God. And feed my lambs. Love people. Right? But when he found them, that's not what they were doing. And, you know, it's fine. You can go fishing. I'm sure Jesus like, go fish. Bring someone with you. Talk about God. You know, I love Jacob. I was having a, what we call a D time with Jacob the other day, uh, the leader for the campus, and just a mentoring time right there. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that I know Jacob's purpose is to help people, right? I mean, he took us to our D time, and he's like, let's watch the Redskins game. I'm like, thank God I know that that's not his purpose. I mean, the Redskins haven't won a Super Bowl in how long? You know? like kept trying to be all night can't catch single fish you know but it's been awesome being with Jacob and I mean just to see the miracles is being a part of the campus ministry trying to reach out to people plenty of Bible studies going on but a couple people Joe that's your brother right there it's awesome to see Joe it's awesome to see Teague as well Teague's another guy that got baptized and and we're pouring ourselves into people it's not just about ourselves but but the Christian walks hard it's not always easy to love God it's not always easy to love other people. You know, we, it's ups and downs. You know, I, I know I've had them. And just about a year and a half ago, I was in need for a life-changing conversation. You know, uh, about a year and a half ago, my, I was with my family. It's a tough time with my family transitioning, moved from New York to Florida, going through a hard time, figuring some stuff out. And I was just at a point where my heart was hard. I just, I, I didn't, wasn't feeling the church thing. I got baptized at 14, had some ups. I was at a down. And at that point, I was just like, you know, the sin is hardened in my heart. I'm not really wanting to love God. I'm not really loving people. I'm barely trying to love my family, you know. And I remember driving to church one morning with my dad in the car. And we were driving to church, and I was just had, about, had it. So I said, I turned to my dad, and, and it was on Father's Day. And I said, Dad, I'm stinking tired of this stuff. I don't want to go to church anymore. And that's a censored version. I didn't say stinking. I didn't say stuff. I was, it was pretty shameful. I, I, here's a man, my dad, who had 
you know, he's been in ministry for almost about 30 years and poured his life out into God and people and me, tried to put these good values in me. And it was on Father's Day morning. I cursed. I took him. I'm like, I don't want to go into church. I'm tired of this. I'm hurt. I don't want to see these people. These people hurt me. That leader hurt me. This thing happened. I'm, I about had it, you know. So I'm sitting in the driveway, and I say, you go in. I'm not going in. And I, I felt terrible. I felt terrible. I was like, this is not cool. I'm by myself. It's lonely, miserable. I, I know it's better in there, even though it hurts, but, but I got to change. I got to change. So my dad comes back. We drive over to neighborhood Chili's. Got some good food there, for, you know, for a life-changing conversation about to happen. And we got in there, and my dad, over tears, told me, son, I'm coming out of the ministry. We're going through a really hard time right now. And as I saw him cry, I couldn't help but cry. I started crying. I was like, the heck? I don't do this. But this is my dad. I love him. What's wrong with me? Let me stop being selfish. You know, I think the Christian walk is about a path from selfishness to selflessness and and about your purpose loving god loving people i just saw what an idiot i am my family's struggling i need to step up i need to love my family i need to love god and love some other people i I gotta tell you the past year and a half since i've been able to switch it around my life's been so much better it's been awesome to see people change their lives right it's been great to see people go from that point to you see the light in their eyes. You see them fired up about God. It's just like, man, that person's different. Man, that person's changed. What happened? Someone showed them God. Somebody showed them that you don't have to live the way you do. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to live for yourself, you know? But we all, we all need that life-changing conversation. And he said, I want you guys to turn around. And then, you know, you always have some excuse. Peter, a little bit later in the scripture, he's like, well, you're roasting me this whole time. What about him? What about John? What about that guy? He's like, don't worry about John. If I want John to live until I come back, what's that to you? You love me. You follow me. You've got to focus on Jesus, you know. And I know it hurts. You know, we, in the church, it's hard to believe that there's sinful people in the church, huh? I mean, surely not, especially from a leader, right? But it happens. We've got to focus on God. We've got to focus on Jesus. You know, forget that. That's okay. He's doing what he's doing. I've got to change myself. I've got to love God. I want to make a difference here, you know, right? So I want to encourage you, if you're in a tough time, anything can happen. You can change. You can switch it around. I would encourage you, find some friend, find someone you love, someone that you trust, and sit down, maybe for lunch, later in the week, have a life-changing conversation. Let's turn it around, you know, and let's keep fishing. You know, I want to close it out with one of my favorite songs, uh, written by a guy who my dad used to be with in the New York City church back in the 90s, a guy named Mike Gallagher. And the song is called Fish Today. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share just a little bit of it with you. The song goes, See the man with no address call to those upon the sea. Hey, you guys, stop what you're doing. You fishermen, come follow me. You fishermen, come follow me. And I will give you such a purpose. All else you'll consider worthless. And love and hope will be your bait. Come, let's catch some fish today. Come, let's catch some fish today. So fish today. Fish today. Come on, grab your poles and say, fish today. Fish today. Come on before it's too late. Come on before it's too late. Let's stop being pseudo-Christians. 
We don't know what we've been missing. We'll start from scratch and catch the vision. Fishers of men must go fishing. If there's two things I want to encourage you as you go about your lunch and your week, do two things. Have a life-changing conversation. Maybe you're down. Maybe you're just not fired up. Have a life-changing conversation. Get there. And two, let's go fishing. I hope you have a great rest of your day. It's so encouraging to see all our young people up here uh, leading us in worship, leading us in singing and music and our communion time or contribution time and hearing the word of God preached so powerfully uh, by Sean and uh, by Mike and uh, by Austin. Did a tremendous job today. Thank you so much. It's really, really encouraging. And uh, it does hearken us back to when we were young, doesn't it? Right, that when we uh, had ba- maybe just become Christians, just decided to follow God and the passion and the spirit that God doesn't want to wane in us, but wants to continue to fan into flame and to grow in each and every one of us. What a great job! I really want to commend Jacob and Tiffany Ardrum for all the work they're doing with the college ministry. Really outstanding, amen. Well, be, uh, before we close here, I do want to address the congregation and uh, kind of give you an update on where we're at as a congregation uh, and ask for your prayers of where we want to go as well, and, uh, which I think is very, very encouraging. Uh, a couple of months ago, in the month of June, you might have remembered, uh, we had a series of four midweeks uh, titled Reaching Out. Uh, and uh, it was really an encouraging time for us to really kind of go back to God's mission in our lives, to go back to our calling as disciples, to live a life where we, uh, ha- we're good tired instead of bad tired, right? We're all tired anyways. Why not be good tired? And, and maybe we can pull up the uh, presentation there. I don't know if it's coming up. Is it up there? Oh, there it is. I, I, I guess I can't see it here. It's back there. But it's really encouraging to be able to talk about reigniting our passion for God's mission. Talking about today is the day, uh, loving more and launching out spiritually. And some of the questions that we asked during that time was, wouldn't you rather be good tired, right? Uh, Or how can I foster my personal sense of urgency in my outreach? Are we followers of Jesus that love enough for Jesus to work through us? And are you willing to answer the call to go deeper in your faith? Which means really a bold risk-taking in our lives. Uh, And it's really, really awesome. And we can go to the next slide. And the next slide. It's incredible. You know, when you question and you think about what, how long does it take for things to change? How long does it take for us to change? How long does it take for us to be able to respond? If we go, go to the next slide. Uh, you know, it, it's incredible because I think people started reaching out. And in the last two weeks of August, ten people were baptized in just two weeks in the last week, two weeks of August. You know, but uh, it, didn't, you know, it didn't stop there because, uh, if you can go to the next slide, uh, in the last 10 weeks, we've seen 23 people baptized and one person restored just in 10 weeks in our ministry, amen? And it's really been incredible. It's, it's been so encouraging. And, you know, one of the highlights, if we go to the next slide, was to be able to see not one, not two, but three young men and women be baptized in the teen ministry right at the same time. 
uh, was just so inspiring. I mean, just to be there with so many different people and to see that happening. And just last week, uh, if we can go to the next, the, to the next slide, uh, to be able to see, uh, you know, go drive all around Los Angeles, to go to one part of the city to see a baptism and see Erlin be baptized, uh, you know, in the San Gabriel ministry, and then drive all the way back to Arcadia and see a young woman, Sarah Callahan, be baptized. And uh, I was just thinking, man, what an awesome way to spend my day. What a great way to spend my Sunday. Go to church, drive far for one baptism, then drive far for another baptism. Man, God is good, right? And on that day, I think the Dodgers won as well. Did the Dodgers win on that day? So it was just a, it was maybe not. I, br- I brought up a bad, a bad, uh, I know, I know. So we can go back to slides, but, you know, it's really incredible to see what God is doing uh, in our ministry. To think that in 10 weeks, 23 people have, uh, lives have been completely transformed. Another person has been restored, came back to God. It's really, really encouraging. And we're in a time of the year uh, where the Regional Financial Committee is considering our budget for this upcoming year. Uh, and, we, you know, when we think about our giving, sometimes we ask, well, what, where does our money go? And, you know, aside from our ministry staff, our facilities, all the different programs we support and their corresponding budgets, this is what our money goes to. This is what it's all about. If we can go to the, the slide with all the baptisms. There we go. Or the next one. This is what it's all about. This is what our money goes to, to help more and more people be saved, for families to be transformed, for marriages to be transformed. It's been so incredible. See, and so many young people, college students, a young marriages be baptized. It's really encouraging, and it's all to God's glory. Amen. Seeing life change, you know. And in considering our finances, uh, you know, this is the time of moment where we're thinking about their budget for next year. And there is a stark reality of what our our, our giving is and what our expenses are. Just like in our personal budget, we got to consider what our income is and what our expenses are. And so, in that stark reality, there are some decisions that need to be made, difficult decisions that, that might need to be made based on our current giving right now. But, you know, but as Mike was preaching, God can do a lot with our very little. Amen? God can multiply our very little. And so uh, what we're going to be doing uh, this month of November, instead of collecting uh, pledge cards like we did last year to see how to set up our budget for this upcoming year, uh, we're going to base our giving uh, looking at various factors, but one of those is looking at our giving for the month of November. So we want to encourage everybody to, number one, be faithful and consistent in their giving in their month of November because the finance committee is going to be looking at this month to see what we're going to project for the following uh, year in 2017. So we really want you to, to consider if God has blessed you, if God has blessed you in your career, uh, maybe you got a promotion, maybe you paid off some debt and you feel like, man, this is awesome, God helped me to pay off some debt, to consider giving more, to consider uh, giving more on a weekly basis to uh, to support the church. Uh, you know, if we all decided to give just $5 more a person, that would provide uh, really us to not only meet the needs that we have now, but to do so much more for what God wants us to do this upcoming year. So maybe consider, are you able to give $5 more than what you're giving right now as a person to, to the church? Uh, you know, and so we're going to be doing this through this month of November, and it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge because, number one, we're going to be meeting together a lot in November. Right, we're meeting together today. Next week we're going to be having uh, a combined service because the English marriages are going to be on their retreat, on their marriage retreat. And so we're going to be having a service uh, next week, a Spanish service. 
uh, here in the sanctuary in the English service in, in the chapel next Sunday morning. The following Sunday, all the Spanish Marys are going to be in their retreat. And so uh, there's going to be a, a regional service here on that, uh, that Sunday. And then the final Sunday is Thanksgiving holiday. So you think, wow, that's going to be a tough week for us to set our budget from. But you know what? We can do it. Amen? But it's going to take us really to be faithful and to be consistent in our giving and to consider our giving, to consider how much we're giving, how much God has blessed you. And so you think about, well, you know, okay, we don't just want to stay where we are. What is the vision that God is putting in our hearts going forward as a Lifeway Church and Lifeway Ministry? You know, uh, um, I think one of those is we want to make sure we hire Tiffany Ardron, our, our campus minister's wife, as soon as possible to continue to work in the college ministry. Amen? That's, that's one of the things we want to do. We want to continue supporting the young people in the church. And we would, like, we would love to support young people to be able to uh, uh, attend the L.A. School of Missions and Ministry that our church can support as many of these young people who want to learn about God, learn about the Bible, be trained for the ministry to go and be part of this. Uh, we would love to hire in the future interns for the teen ministry in Glendale. You know, uh, yeah, some interns to come and help in, in the teen ministry in Glendale. We would love to hire uh, interns in the future to focus on singles ministry for our region. Uh, you know, in the future, we love, I mean, right now, well, obviously, we are here in Glendale, and we also meet in San Gabriel. We love to have more worship centers. We love to have uh, another worship center in, in, in the northeast area of our region, you know, to maybe go down to Monrovia or Duarte or that area and have another worship center there. And we'd love to have a worship center in downtown Los Angeles sometime in the future as well. Amen. So there's a, a lot of things that God can do through us, and there's definitely visions that, that God wants us to, to make happen through our ministry, but it's going to be all about us being faithful in our giving and responding. So what I would like to encourage us is this is the month of November, right? Let's make it the month of yes-vember. The month where we say, instead of no, we say yes. Yes to God, yes to us, giving to God, to sacrificing for God, to giving more, and to seeing God's dream for our ministry come true. Amen? At this time, let's go ahead and close in prayer, and then we're dismissed. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, Heavenly Father, we're so grateful just to see a, a living illustration uh, from our young uh, people in the college ministry to come up here and lead us in singing and worship uh, and in preaching the word so powerfully today, God. And we just pray for a continual blessing for the college ministry, God. We want to see it grow beyond where it's at now to 20, 30, 40, 50, even 100 students in the college ministry here in the Lifeway Church. And we pray for a blessing God, for that ministry, for all those young people, very blessing for the teen ministry, God, to know that, Father, we already have about 22 uh, baptized teens in the church and so many more coming uh, that are studying the Bible. To, to think that uh, right now, as it stands, we are the largest uh, teen ministry in the entire Los Angeles church, God, uh, and to see how you're changing and transforming families is, is so encouraging. We pray for a blessing on the Quintanillas and all the uh, teen leaders and all the work that they're doing, God. Uh, to support and to study the Bible so many of these young men and women. God, we, play, we pray for the church. We pray for the Lifeway Church, the Lifeway region here in Los Angeles, and for all that you want to do through us, God. Help us to say yes to your dreams. Help us to say yes to sacrificing for you, God. Help us to say yes to living a life to the full and for impacting the city around us. Thank you again for this wonderful service. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great rest of the Sunday.